Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 289, I'm bringing back a popular guest, one of our favorite mentors, Susan C. Even though we're all in the same battlefield, we're all in the same storm, we're just not all dealing with it in the same way. It's not impacting us in the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't even have the same viewpoint on just how big this issue is or how small it is. Like we don't agree even on that. But if I can remember, that's not why I chose them as friends. I didn't choose them because we agree on everything. I did not choose them because we have the same viewpoint. On the things that matter, like our faith, we're clear on that. We share that together, that that we have in unity. But the particulars of how we govern our lives are always going to be different and unique and varied. And the ways in which we navigate that in love and support that's our foundation in that relationship is what keeps our relationship strong. Susan first came on the show six years ago. You can find a link to that episode in the show notes where she talked about being focused instead of frustrated. And she's all about being intentional. She has her own podcast, The Mentor Four, the number four moms podcast. She's the mom of seven and she has some fantastic kiddos. She's also been mentoring moms for a long time. And today we're talking about friendship. She's talking about how insecurity and comparison can rob us of our friendships and how to work through disagreements. With all that's going on in our world, we'll have disagreements. How do we work through them? She is a wise resource. I'm thankful to share with you today. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Susan, welcome back to the Dope Mom Alone podcast. Oh my goodness. I am so glad to be here. This is so good. I've been, you know, we met in person and you came on the show like 35 million years ago. (laughs) And then we replayed your episode. But I just need Susan in 2020. Like I need your wisdom and your guidance. And how old are your kids now? Like I know you have a few. I have a few kids. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tell us, tell us a little bit about where they, what you know, the ages and where they are. Okay, uh, let's see. I have seven children. Uh, for those who are meeting me the first time, uh, one boy, six girls. My son is the oldest because most people want to know. Oh my goodness, one boy, where is he? He's the oldest because God is merciful. Um, <laughs> and he, as of this recording, is twenty-three. Okay. And my youngest is ten. So my oh. oldest two have graduated from uh, college. Oh, what even? And then I've got one who is still going to college. She's in, uh, goes to school in New York City. And then I am still homeschooling the remaining four. The remaining four. Like um, people are shocked when I say I have four. You're like the, <laughs> the rest of the, you know, the kids. The rest of the crew. Uh-huh. Did the one in New York come home with all of the COVID? Yes. Well, because she was going to school in New York, we were hearing things before most of the rest of the nation was really, really mm-hmm. paying attention because mm-hmm. uh, her school was having to make some decisions. So she was preparing for spring break, uh, initially planning to stay in the city for spring break. Um, but as the school decided to close like early in the week and once they closed, we were like, yeah, yeah, you probably should get out of there. We don't know what's happening. And now she's she's here because they didn't reopen. 
And the other ones, like, do they, did they come home too? Do you have seven kids home right now? Ah, yeah. We've all been here this okay. entire quarantine, plus my two parents across the street. <gasps> okay. My dad okay. turned 80 during this oh. quarantine. So we had a birthday party with him because he lives just across the street. We all went over there and hung out with him. So it's been, can I say a lot? Uh, we had, <laughs> <laughs> we had um, my daughter who graduated from college. She went into her corporate job. So her job sent her home. So she was doing her corporate office out of her bedroom. Then my daughter who came home from New York was doing her college classes in the living room. Mm. And she has classes at all hours of the day, plus meetings in between, plus interviews because she was working on internship plans. It was a lot. Mm. And then the four kids that I was homeschooling were just kind of trying to get in where they could fit in. And then I was still making adjustments on my end to um, speaking engagement, shifting and changing and podcast recording for myself. So this house just already did a lot of hard work, but it just got kicked up a few thousand notches. (laughs) (laughs) So if we were going to talk today about (laughs) the crushing of uh, added expectations, you could relate to that. Oh, could I ever? I mean, I just feel like being a mom is hard enough. Yeah. But being a mom in quarantine, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. It was a whole nother thing. I remember trying to talk to my kids about what was going on, but not scare the bejesus out of them. You know? <laughs> and so I was like trying to explain germs and how important it's going to be for us to wash our hands and whatever. And I watched one of my kids, like right after I'm giving this talk about germs and we're going to wash our hands, take the towel in the kitchen and wipe something off the floor in the kitchen and then put it right back up on the counter where someone else was about to grab it to dry a dish. And I just thought, we're all going to die. <laughs> this is too much to manage. Yeah. I totally relate to that. A hundred percent. I was like, how are we even going to make it through this? I can't even get them to understand the germs. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So uh-huh. yeah, no, uh-huh. it's been a lot. Man. Well, and I'm sure like I was thinking, and you and I were talking about, even before all of this and quarantining, when you choose to homeschool and you have seven kids, there's a lot of expectations you kind of can fall under. And so you can relate to that even before all this. And now it's just plussed up by a thousand. Oh, yeah. I have had many moments of just shedding tears for various things. But I shed some tears one night as I sat on my bed. Um, This was during the time when I was like watching all the news things, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And I saw the governor of California come on to do a press conference. And he said to the 6 million kids in our um, school districts, I just want to welcome you to homeschooling. And I sat up in my bed and I went, what did he just say? Did he say they're closing the schools? They're going to all homeschool? And I just started like crying for the mamas and crying for the kids because I thought, no, this is something that we choose into, we plan, we prepare for. This is not something where my kid was sent home on Thursday and by Monday, you guys are like, you're now homeschooling. You're not coming back. Wait, what? Like, I just was like, I don't even understand how that's going to work. And I just weeped. I was just like, this is way too overwhelming because I just could picture 
moms watching that same report. And I'm watching this more from a viewer, right? I'm not in this. This didn't directly affect me. But I'm picturing looking into the eyes of a mom who just heard that news and her looking at me with a million questions and not even knowing where to start. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, as if grocery shopping and germs and this invisible enemy we're fighting and isolation and all that isn't enough. We just add on, there's one more weight on their mom's backs. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Mm, I love that you empathized, like that your go-to emotion was empathy, not, well, I'm fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My wife isn't that affected, but that you get that there is weight to that choice. I mean, I remember when we chose to homeschool one, it was a lot of prayer and like, are you sure God? And waiting on a lot of confirmation from, I think three different places I received confirmation that that was the right choice, even though it didn't make logical sense. Right. It wasn't forced on me and I wasn't forced to follow somebody else's plan. And so, yeah, there is empathy for the moms who have been placed in that situation. And now I, I think headed into summer after all of that, is a new level of hard expectations because all of our tricks of the trade to get through a season of not a lot of things going on have been used up. And so we hold in our minds expectations of summer being fun. And we're coming to the marathon after having just done an Ironman. Like we're exhausted. Right. And even still, a lot of the outlets aren't available. Like the summer camps aren't there for you to be like, woohoo, we can look forward to summer camp next week. Like you're like, yeah, no, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and oh yeah, we can go to some of our favorite hangout spots if we all still stay apart from each other. Like it's just, yeah, it's nothing feels the same. And yet we want for our children and for ourselves, honestly, to feel some type of respite and a uh, sense of relief. And how do we craft that feels like its own, like one more to do and yet one more burden. And if that wasn't enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was telling you, it's impacting our mom friendships yeah. because how one mom is doing, or at least the version she's showing on Instagram and Facebook, the other mom is comparing. And then she's got this burden of like, well, Susie Q just painted rocks with her kids. I don't even Mm -hmm. have any paints. Or, I mean, I got a comment that my son was reading from a Winnie the Pooh book. And this mom was like, my kid only wants to play Minecraft. And mine, I mean, my kids don't want to read. Let's be clear on that. It was part of his score that I happened to capture. And more of the point was that he was calling my mom and reading to her. So I I put that one on someone else, but I just think it made me realize like we are under all of this crushing expectation and then we're adding and, and we're straining our one source of support and encouragement, our friends. Right. So So have you experienced that? Like, how can you encourage us, Susan? (laughs) Please (laughs) make it better, Susan, make it better. Oh man. I think um, on any given day, we can feel that sense of comparison with how are we doing and how are other people doing. And so if the social media world isn't a nemesis on a regular day, it's certainly felt that in quarantine when you've got 
some people living in an apartment and they've got limited space and they don't have a backyard to just take the kid, tell the kids to go out there <laughs> and just run around and let me just be still. Uh, I have to go with you if you go out. Um, and then you've got the other mom who's like, we went to our lake house and we just, we needed to get out of our home and go to the lake house and just have a break. And you're like, oh, mm. you had a whole nother house you could go to. <laughs> oh, really? Mm. Tell me about that life. So I think it just got amplified. <laughs> the um, difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the comparison just got amplified under such um, difficult circumstances. So, um, you know, I have definitely felt the differences within my closest friend circles and Yet at the same time, my love and my care for my friends has kept me in a place of continually reminding myself of how important it is for us to have grace with one another. Yeah. So we're not dealing, even though we're all in the same battlefield, we're all in the same storm, we're just not all dealing with it in the same way. It's not impacting us in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't even have the same viewpoint on just how big this issue is or how small it is. Like we don't agree even on that, but yeah, right. if I can remember, that's not why I chose them as friends. I didn't choose them because we agree on everything. I did not choose them because we have the same viewpoint um, on the things that matter, like our faith. We're clear on that. We share that together, that, that we have in unity, but the particulars of how we govern our lives are always going to be different and unique and varied. And the ways in which we navigate that and love and support as our foundation in that relationship is what keeps our relationship strong. What if I told you you could get high-quality organic and non-GMO groceries delivered right to your door for a lot less than you're paying now in the grocery store and help out families in need. That's what I've been doing since I discovered Thrive Market. And as a proud Thrive Market member, I'm getting the products I love. And my paid membership provides a free membership for someone in need, like a low-income family, a teacher, a veteran, or a first responder. And what I loved is when I searched on their website, I found so many products that I often want to purchase, but it would require a second trip to a different grocery store. And they were all there at Thrive Market. They tailored over 70 different diets and values. You can search by diet and they have clean beauty and bath products, pet staples, even non-toxic cleaning supplies, even ethical meat and sustainable seafood. Check it all out. Clean wine. If you want to try Thrive Market, and become a member risk-free, go to thrivemarket.com slash DMA. If you join today, you'll get up to $20 in shopping credit towards your first order. That's T-H-R-I-V-E, thrivemarket.com slash DMA to start your risk-free membership and get up to $20 towards your first order, thrivemarket.com slash DMA. How have you stayed in contact with your friends? Like what have you found to be a helpful way? Mm -hmm. So uh, my friends and I meet up every Friday. We have that marked on the calendar. Our entire family knows, and that was not going to change in quarantine. So (laughs) um, we usually try to get together face to face, but of course this became Zoom calls or just linking um, phone 
and everybody like, I'm going to patch this one together and we're going to get all four of us on here. Um, and it just became this, you know, every month, like, well, how are we doing it this month, guys? Because we didn't expect to still be here, like right. <laughs> still in this place. And uh, those phone calls have been life-giving. And then in between those calls, uh, we call each other. And I have this thing uh, where I think I've done it with you even. I get on the phone with somebody and I put my shoes on and I go for a walk. Hmm. And it was a way for me to get outside. It was a way for me to get away from the family and talk to a friend. So I couldn't see her and I couldn't hug her, but I could hear her and we could both bemoan what the heck is going on in the grocery store. I don't even understand. We could talk about how in the world am I supposed to make this food last? Cause I'm not trying to go back to that thinking grocery store one more time. And right. um, are your kids waking up at all hours yet at the same time you can't get any sleep and you're up all night. Like it's just, mm -hmm. we get to have all those conversations just like we would in person. And I come back from the walk having gotten steps in, yay, moved that body. But also my mindset is better because I had time with a friend. Yeah. I think that voice to voice also does a lot of good when we're, when our texts and our emails are getting misinterpreted, mm -hmm. you know, have you had any situations now? Don't throw anybody under a bus, but like where you, something got misinterpreted and y'all had to show each other grace and work it out. I would say <laughs> some of our, our misinterpretations would fall on feeling neglected, like someone posting something important in a group chat and then nobody responding. Mm. Um, and then and they're just like, hello, did anybody see that? And the truth is they didn't like, like, no, I actually turned my phone off because I just needed a break. I didn't even know the message came through and so having to work through just because we're now responding to the text that just came through today. Please don't feel like you're not important because nobody responded yesterday. And it was just like being clear that, oh, like you can reach me via text, but that doesn't mean that I saw the message. So please don't take my delay. Like you texted me at 8 a.m. and I don't get back to you till nine that night. You think, my goodness, like was I not important? You are so important. But I was also over here trying to deal with all that's going on in my world that you can't see because yeah. you're not here with me. Now, why do you think we don't assume the best of our friends? Mm. You, you have the, the answer for that, Susan. <laughs> no, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you about Susan's issues. And so <laughs> maybe somebody can relate. But I think that there's this internal conversation that I have with myself about, is this really a big deal? Or am I making too much of this? Am I overthinking this? Um, is this really important in the grand scheme? And so when I finally land in a place where I like, I think this is important, but I share it with that covering of insecurity of will other people agree with me? And then maybe my text doesn't get answered or they don't return my phone call or um, they laugh when I think they should have cried with me or whatever the reaction is that doesn't match. It just confirms for me that insecurity that I was already trying to overcome. It goes back to my sense of feeling unworthy or unseen or not believed or not supported, or I'm always here for other people, but is anybody ever here for me? And so sadly, 
just like we can turn against the people closest to us by turning against the people in our homes, we can turn against the people who are closest to us in our friendships, in our heart, those people that we really treasure, um, because they're easy to reach and we can lash at them. And it creates a deeper wound because you don't necessarily see it coming or want to believe that that will happen, yet it does. Hmm. And that insecurity, I think, grows when we're not seeing their face and we're not hearing their voice. I think, like I told you, my, my concern is that we're developing habits in our relationships, in our home, outside our home, that are going to take a while to undo. And so, you know, if there's one thing we could focus on this summer to give us <laughs> something, some purpose... I would hope it's to, you know, ask God, who are my, who are my people that you have brought into my life, my little circle, not that person I follow on Instagram that I think I know is my best friend and I hang on every word she says, not that person. Who are the people in my community that you gave me and what could I do to foster those relationships so that the enemy does not get a foothold? Because he loves division. He loves to come in and pit one person against the other. And our insecurities, like you mentioned, and those lies of unworthiness Mm -hmm. cause us to interpret actions or texts or lack of response as lack of care or lack of relationship. And so, I don't know. That's my challenge to us if we're going to do something this summer is... Make that list. It doesn't have to be 20 people. What did you say your group was? Four in in your group? Yeah, it's just four of us. Mm -hmm. We have tried to expand it beyond the four, and it just didn't work. We were like, it's the four of us. That's it. (laughs) And, you know, there might be hurt feelings to not be in that four. But I think Jesus had, what did he have? Three. So that's four. So we can, if we're going to follow Jesus, he had his, his core little group. He had his 12 disciples. He had the masses. But the investment in those four, if I feel fully grounded in that and me investing in three other women, then the enemy does not get to disrupt me right. in the work that I'm doing. And as we're talking, I just think that would be a really worthy goal. Let me say a couple of things to that. Yeah, I want to hear it. One, I think what you just said is so good. And I want to address one piece in that, that her feelings part. For the longest time, it's one reason why I never really talked about that group, because Mm. I did not want to have this sense of exclusivity, this click, this this special place nobody else can get in, Um, because it's not that. What we found is that in the four of us who have been friends now for, I think we're going on like 15 years. I mean, it's something like we got roots and history here, and we have been through some very difficult situations together personal illnesses, stressed out marriages, financial hardships, like just some of the deepest, hardest things we've gone through together. And it's very difficult to bring a new person into that much history. And to love someone well, we would not ever want to bring them into our circle and they continue to feel like they're an add-on to something that was already established. So to love them, we don't bring them into that. We'll do stuff with them, but we recognize that that's showing hospitality, but not necessarily making you this, you'll be here with us every Friday kind of thing. So um, that's how we're navigating that. The other piece about that is 
um, their friendship is what keeps my mind sound. Mm. Of course, there's the word of God. Of course, there's prayer. Of course, there's all of those other foundational pieces. But there's that time when you just need somebody who gets you and somebody who has enough history with you to recognize that this is not you going off the deep end. You just need to have a moment and they just need to let you have it and support you in it um, without judging you, without um, advising you and telling you all the things you need to go do, but they just go and sit with you in it. And it's so incredibly healing to have that type of relationship. So if anyone's listening and they're coming out of the other side of this and they feel like their behavior or the behavior of someone close to them has caused some type of rift, some type of disconnect to really seek to, to heal what's broken, um, to leave the relationship in a, in a place where it's in a healthy state. But also I think coming out of this, it's going to be time for us to redefine what's next for us. I know Father's Day is right around the corner, and oftentimes it can be tricky to think of a Father's Day gift to give. Well, since my dad has passed on and is in the presence of Jesus, I want to encourage you to consider giving your dad the gift of story worth. It's one of this month's sponsors, but truly, I wish that I could give it to my dad. It is a fun and meaningful way to engage with your parent, especially one that you may not get to see very often if they live in another city or state or because of social distancing. It's an online service, basically, that every week they send your loved one an email with a prompt, a question, something like, what have been some of your greatest surprises? What's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? And I so wish I had my dad's answers to these questions. Don't waste time because when you get a story worth subscription and your dad starts answering those questions, after a year, they'll compile all the answers into a keepsake book that they'll ship to you for free with a photo that you choose. And your family, your kids, they're going to keep that book. It's going to be a treasure for generations. So give your dad the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash DMA. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash DMA for $10 off. Oh, Susan, there's so much in that. So much real. I think we we get the feeling of being the one not included mm-hmm. and the pain in that. We get walking through the hard thing. And if you've done that and, and your people showed up, I think that's when you see <laughs> who are those people yeah, who showed up. And, you know, I, I wanted to say something to what you were talking about, about not wanting to hurt feelings. What do we do? How do we come out of this? Is if you are the one who feels on the outside, consider creating the thing you want. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're seeing a group and you're desperately desiring to be a part of that, that desire is God-given, but perhaps it's for you to multiply. I mean, even in the Bible and New Testament, um, I might mess up who it was, but I feel like there was a rift between um, a couple of the early church disciples and it actually helped multiply the church. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to see 
that some some of those like division when i said division is something the enemy uses but sometimes it's a way that god multiplies so you could be somebody else's answer to a need for community by inviting by saying you know i've always really enjoyed connecting with that person and you you take a risk and create the thing oh yeah and and definitely um honoring that uh you not being included does not have any bearing on your worth or your value or um, who you are as a person, that there's nothing about you that you need to um, then devalue or think that there's, oh, that, that there's a problem. If only I, yes, if only yeah. I X, Y, and Z. If only I went to that church they all went to. If only I, mm-hmm. And also, I think it's important for us in this conversation um, to normalize disagreement. That that's so normal. You put two people in relationship or you put two people in the same room. Their relationship is simply they exist in the same space. (laughs) They can disagree on something and have an issue, right? It's just part. It's so normal in relationships. And so if you've been in a place where you've had disagreement with your friend, that that doesn't mean that they're no longer going to be your friend or you guys can no longer get along or be together. Um, I think that there's such this, I've heard it called cancel culture where people just cancel each other out, right? They just go, ah, I'm done with you. I'm over it. I'm, I'm out. Um, and they just cut people off. They block them or they stop responding to them and they kind of ghost them. Like we don't have to do that simply because we disagree. Mm-hmm. Like we can disagree and do that in such healthy and beautiful ways that are God honoring and honoring to them as a person and honoring to you as a person as well. And if we've had some disagreements, if we've had some rough edges exposed in the midst of this difficult time, and who hasn't, um, then to be willing to extend a hand of grace, to be willing to go back and have a conversation about that. If it's a difficult thing that happened and it needs to be talked about, be willing to have that conversation. But don't make it automatically mean that that, con- that, that friendship is over and that they're done and they're, they're dead to you now. Like, we don't have to go to that place. Mm. You're, you're, <laughs> you're ministering to me, Susan. <laughs> Watch it. No, I, um, I 100%. I think all of this is not bringing out the best versions of all of us. Mm-hmm. And showing each other grace for, okay, she might've said that because she's grieving or she might've said that because she's feeling out of control and she's looking for control or Mm -hmm. she responded in that way and it hurt me, but we have all this history of times and connection and friendship that it's not, it is not um, enough to throw all of that away. So that is really valuable. I'll tell you one conversation I had with with a a dear friend, and it it sounded like it was headed towards an argument. And I just was like, but we agree too much for this to really be an argument. So hold on. I think we got some nuance going here. But she was sharing how um, she was talking to her kids and she was asking them this question and she was sharing it with our, our group of four to say, you know, here's something you guys might consider asking your kids too. So she was asking her kids, what good have you seen in this quarantine? What are the good things that you've seen? Yeah. And I was like, ah, that's a great question. I said, but I'm going to rephrase that question when I ask my kids. And I said, I'm going to ask them, where have you seen God in the midst of this quarantine? 
because mm. I don't want to put pressure on them that they will define these things as good. I think right now, if I, my daughter who had the corporate job, she lost her job. Like she's oh. one of those who uh, was fired and she thought she was going to be furloughed uh, because at least they had a hope of return. But instead she was completely released from her job. And um, this has not been easy for her. This has been very difficult. This is um, because she just graduated college. Uh, she didn't have enough time to even be in a place where she can collect unemployment. So she just went to zero income, hmm. zero health benefits. And um, that's difficult. So I think if I came to her with the question, well, what good have you seen in the quarantine though? Right. I think she would just look at me and have these tears in her eyes. Like, I, that question gives this pressure of, I should be finding things good. And sure, you give me a minute. I'm sure I could. But right now, I am struggling to hold on. And I am trying to figure this out. And I'm trying to navigate this. And I'm trying not to feel despair. Because not only am I in this place, but so are, are so many other people. So any job openings that I'm applying for, there are three times or four times as many applicants for that. Mm. And then I'm the one who just graduated. So I've got the least experience. I've got this brand new degree. Um, it just, you know, she's just in this place of like, ah. So if I could then say, where have you seen God in that? I think she could say, well, the fact that I'm still living at home and I don't have a lot of added expenses. I didn't take those on yet. That's a grace. I can see God's grace in that. But if I said, find the good, I think she'd have trouble. And I just didn't want to put pressure on my kids that they, in this time, would define things as good. They might look back five years from now, yeah. three years from now, maybe a year from now. And they could say, oh, I can see some good things in quarantine. But in the midst of, I just didn't want to have that pressure of expectation on them that they would find good. And for her, she was trying to help her kids find good so that they would recognize, you know, that they're provided for, protected, being cared for, that kind of thing. And so she and I just were coming at the same, we had the heart the same for our kids. But our approach was different. And I could feel frustration in me because I'm like, but it ain't all good. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I know it's not all good. That's why we need to look for good. And I was like, yeah, no. So we just kind of went back and forth. And if we didn't remember that we love each other, that our hearts are for each other, and that just because we have a different perspective didn't mean she was wrong and that I was right, or that I was wrong and she was right. We just had a different perspective. Yeah. And that was what we really needed to remember so that we didn't then make one another the enemy. Yeah, I've, um, you know, Texas is a bit open right now, a little bit more than other states. So we have had some get-togethers in backyards with some close friends staying six feet apart. But, you know, these face-to-face -face conversations are happening, and, and it has I think almost every time we've gathered, there's been some heated moment mm -hmm. because you are bringing difference. And, and you would think, oh, yeah, we're the same. We are same age range. We've got kids. We're on the same stage. But you're right. I mean, perspective, experience, all of that plays into it. And being able to work through that, I think what I've noticed some of my friends do really well is if they've recognized that it was getting kind of a little more st stressful in the conversation, calling it out, 
Mm-hmm. Like, did I make you feel unsafe when I said that? Or mm-hmm. I, I'm apologizing if, if, if what I said caused you stress or whatever it was, like just calling it out in the moment mm-hmm. rather than letting the feelings build and um, having to undo that later. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Even that, like learning those skills, if we can come out of all this with those skills in place, I think that's a positive, purposeful thing from all mm-hmm. of this. Oh, Susan, (laughs) I appreciate you and your honesty and vulnerability in this and just understanding the weight and the pressures and get where you're finding groundedness in it. Um, We appreciate you. Is there anything else you want to share or should we get back to our people? (laughs) (laughs) You mean the people that I said, be quiet and then slammed the door and ran over here? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I probably should go back and go hug them. And yeah, yeah, I need to feed mine probably another meal. I don't know. I'm sure. Oh, for sure, for because I'm they sure stay hungry. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I've already got ribs in the fridge ready for dinner. Excuse, like on my way. <laughs> they were the meat that was available on like drastic discount. So I thought, well, we could have ribs. I, I can look like, up well, a recipe. Ribs it is. Yeah, I pulled off the membrane so they'll fall off the bone or whatever. Oh, I'm, I'm learning how to do even know. You I'm even learning. Know. I can't tell you the last time I cooked ribs. Like, no. Mm. <laughs> I figure we have time. <laughs> they go in That's the oven true. forever. And, <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a student of the internet, like a cook. Oh, for sure, right? It's honestly the only chore that I don't mind right now because I stay in my kitchen. I tell everyone to leave. And I know you should have your kids should uh, helping mm-hmm. you, but no, I, I just want my space. And I say, I'm cooking dinner. You got to go. Bye. Bye. And go. I might put on a podcast or have my laptop open and watch a Netflix show. It's mm-hmm. like my, my little other <laughs> time is in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it as long as I got the ingredients already. So <laughs> I had fun watching a lot of videos on Korean street food. I, what even? Oh. I just fell into a weird. Okay. I, I was having Tell a me good about time that. Out there. Okay. And so I would watch how they, especially how they fixed ramen. Okay. And um, yeah, I would. I have fixed so many different types of ramen. I'm like, what even is this life? Am I back in college? Why am I eating ramen? But it's so good. <laughs> Like I they need to Costco try that. Had some good noodles and they got this spicy sauce. I have been having a good time with that. So okay. I'm going to have to explore that because <laughs> I may, I've been making some more, like I made a, a Burmese meal and a little, another Asian dish. And my husband keeps commenting on it. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, where, when are you going to make more like that? Like that was real good and flavorful and healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the feedback from everybody on their favorites. So I did think of one other thing I okay, wanted to tell say. Okay, tell me, tell me. I wanted to thank you because when I, when you and I had our first conversation, you were in your closet and I was in my van. Yeah. You were the very first podcast interview I had Aww. ever done. Aww. And here we are, fast forward, I don't even know how many years, a bajillion, as you said, I think. Um, now I'm on the other space where I'm on the other side of the microphone and I have a podcast now Look because I was so inspired by you and you were so helpful to get me going. Aww. And I am, I don't have all the fabulous guests you have on. I thought I would, you know, do that kind of format like you did, <laughs> but I wanted to thank you publicly. I really wanted you to know how much I appreciated you not hesitating or not, uh, maybe you hesitated. You might be no. like, girl, I hesitated mm-hmm. a lot. Um, 
but not holding back on what God was calling you to do mm-hmm. and really giving a voice for moms to really lean into and feel like, yes, this is a space where I feel good here. I feel like I'm informed. I feel encouraged. And you really built that space and inspired me to do the same. So thank you. I'm having a great time podcasting by myself over here on the microphone. (laughs) And I just wanted to publicly thank you for that. Well, it's my honor. Actually, we were just talking about cooking. I was walking through the grocery store. I vividly remember it, listening to a talk you'd done, like a webinar you'd done. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, this one, she needs to come on the podcast. She is a wise woman. Uh, So the Lord is good. He directs our paths. And if we are faithful, to do the things he sets before us. And so I didn't hesitate to have you on the show. I might've hesitated to start the podcast, but I did not hesitate (laughs) to have you on the show and please tell everyone the name of your podcast. I'm sure we'll link to it in the show notes, but I want to make sure they, while they're here on the app, they can find you. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. It's a mentor, the number four moms. So mentor for moms podcast. Y'all always tell me you need mentors. Here you go. I'm handing you one. (laughs) (laughs) right here. Super easy. Well, thank you, Susan, for being with us today. Appreciate you so much. And I hope that y'all stay sane and well. You know that I am always thankful for mentors. I'm thankful for their guidance. I'm thankful for Susan's vulnerability with the challenges she's walked through with her friendships and helping guide us in that. And I'm going to pray over our friendships because if anything, we see that the enemy's goals, I always say this over and over again, are to distract, divide, discourage, and cause defeat. And our friendships, our little communities, that's where things start. In our home, in the small groups that we have, that is where the power of God's love is going to shine and the differences are going to be made. So I'm going to pray protection over those relationships and that we push through, even with the social distancing, to figure out ways to stay connected and to love people well. Lord, I thank you for friendships. I thank you that you created community. I pray, Lord, that you would give us humility in our relationships, that you would keep our eyes focused on the fact that you love us, that we are worthy, that no person can add value to us beyond what you have already deemed us to be worthy of. And so, Lord, we can confidently love other people, that we don't have to feel intimidated or compare and feel less than. I pray, Lord, that you would work through any divisions represented in anyone listening, that they would reach out to those that they're struggling with, and that they would reconcile God, that they would seek peace. I pray for our country. I pray for our world that is on fire and righteously so, Lord. I pray that we would seek you, seek your truth, that your truth would reign, that the hate and the hurt and the pain and the trauma that has been caused for hundreds of years, that you would redeem it and make things right that only you can, God, but that you would show us what our part is. I thank you, God, that we know no matter how out of control everything can feel, that you are in control, that your plan is unfolding, that you have not forgotten your people. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to be your church, your hands, your feet. May we be bold to do so. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I would love to stay connected with you all. And given the algorithms of social media and all that that is going on in our world, I feel like the best place to do that is via email. And so if you haven't ever signed up, this would be a great time to go to Ola Heather. Ola starts with an H, um, just like Heather. OlaHeather.com. And you can sign up. And every Monday, I send out an email in it, you'll get a link to the episode for that week. You'll also hear what's going on in my world and any favorite things I have, any resources that are applicable to what's going on. Sometimes I even have surveys to get your help in writing this book that is due in September. So go to Ola Heather, sign up, and I'll connect with you there. All right. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3:17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.